This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 25th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. It's widely believed that Islam is simply not compatible with a free society, but is that really true? Mustafa Akyol makes the case that Islam is compatible with a free society in his book, Islam Without Extremes. We spoke last week. Uh, I would say if we were living uh, like um, in, in, the, in what's called the Middle Ages a thousand years ago, and if someone looked at Christian Europe, they would not be very, again, hopeful about Christianity and, and maybe individual liberty because there were institutions like the Inquisition, there were crusades, uh, and religious freedom was not really a strong uh, idea uh, in Christian Europe. Uh, but that was not a direct outcome of the message of the New Testament, of the Bible, but it was a, a product of different power structures and people how understood the world in those times. Uh, so Christianity has changed, obviously, and uh, created its own way to freedom if, to a free society, uh, or at least became compatible with a free society. And that took uh, a lot of effort, you know, changes in the Catholic Church, Catholic doctrine, and so on. And I, I'm saying uh, in my book, Islam Without Extremes, A Muslim Case for Liberty, that the same sources for liberalism exist within Islamic thinking as well, but they're not really very much emphasized right now in the Muslim world because the Muslim world is in its probably own dark ages. Uh, the, the 20th century has been the most unfortunate probably century in the history of the Muslim world because of uh, many political misfortunes, which unfortunately led to some violent expressions of Islam, reactionary expressions of Islam. But that is not the only thing that Islam can be. And when you look at Islamic history and even some Muslim societies today, you see more uh, tolerant, uh, flexible interpretations of Islam, which create more room for individual liberty. In your book, you mentioned Rose Wilder Lane and how she described Islam from what she could uh, put together. What was her description? Uh, that's a good point. Uh, in the book, uh, in, in the early chapter about the birth of Islam, uh, I mentioned Rose Wilder Lane, one of the founders of the libertarian movement in the United States, because she looked uh, in his book, uh, The Discovery of Freedom, uh, she looked at uh, the history of Islam, and she uh, rightly thought that Islam was a proclamation of monotheism against a pagan society, but also a proclamation of individual liberty and responsibility to a collectivist tribal society. Uh, and also she noticed the interesting fact that Prophet Muhammad was a businessman before uh, his mission, and he kept a business-friendly attitude. And that's why in its early centuries, Islam was a very uh, business-friendly and merchant-friendly, if you will, uh, religion. And the early uh, developers uh, of Islamic doctrine were merchants themselves. And in my book, I actually show that with the decline of business trade uh, and the merchant class in the Middle East, a more uh, stagnant view of Islam started to emerge after the uh, third century of the religion. And that became the status quo. But, uh, but the early debates and theological debates in Islam show a very vibrant society in which individual freedom was more valued. If you say that Islam is sort of currently in a dark ages, uh, like Christianity was for for many hundreds of years, would chart me the path toward Islam uh, being interpreted in such a way that it is uh, more broadly accepted as being 
consistent with a free society. Well, of course, I'm making that comparison as a very broad, you know, uh, assessment. There are differences between, of course, medieval Christianity and contemporary Islam. The problems are not the same, and the solutions are probably not exactly the same. Uh, but first of all, and also, this might sound a little hopeless, because as you said, Christi- it took us several centuries for Christianity to change. But the, but the better news is that we are living in a fast age. I mean, internet, technology, television, these things really speed up social change in many ways. Uh, markets speed up change in many ways. Uh, that's why, for example, the Arab Spring, which came out of the blue, really changed many political dynamics in the Middle East right away. Uh, and it showed that uh, the Arab societies are actually not in favor of dictators. Uh, they want more freedom, and they showed that by you know, peaceful rebellions uh, in Egypt, Tunisia, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, so, yes, uh, there are deep, deep, deep problems in the Muslim world, what is called fundamentalism, but, but there are liberal Islamic currents, and they are gaining more ground in, in Turkey, where I come from, uh, in Malaysia, in Indonesia, in Dubai, in different parts of the Muslim world. Uh, so the, the story is very, uh, very diverse, and the picture is very complicated, but I think it's also hopeful for, for change uh, in, in the future. You talk about uh, Turkey, where you come from. Describe how... Yeah. How is Turkey doing? Turkey is doing pretty well. I mean, if you ask the economy, it's actually right now competing with China as the world's fastest growing economy. Uh, and countries around Turkey, such as Greece, are basically collapsing economically. Well, Turkey is this island of stability. Uh, why Turkey is that way is, a, is, of course, a big story. And I also that I share that in my book, Islam Without Extremes, a little bit. I show, first of all, how Ottoman reforms of the 19th century introduced democracy and, and, and the, the idea of a market economy to the Turkish society. Uh, Christians and Jews became equal citizens in, under the Ottoman Empire in the 19th century. And many reforms have taken place, like a parliament, political parties. It, liberalism even started to flourish in an Islamic context in late Ottoman Empire. And that continued in, 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 in modern-day Turkey. Tur- what, there's one thing which makes Turkey a little different from most of the Arab countries. Turkey was never colonized. So it didn't have the same anti-colonial uh, feeling in the Arab world, which often led to socialism. Marx, you know, which often led to an embracement of Marxism. That's why Turkey happily joined the NATO, whereas most Arab countries joined the Warsaw Pact uh, during the Cold War. So that's why Turkey has a history with business and open market and, and democracy. But that became very much emphasized, especially in the 80s, when Turgut Özal, uh, the most phenomenal leader, I would say, in near Turkish history, opened up Turkish economy. Because before uh, Turgut Özal, who's compared to Thatcher and Reagan sometimes in terms of his reforms and on the economy, he really liberalized the markets. And a new, uh, he, he paved the way for a new class of more entrepreneurial Turks, which opened up to the world, engaged in new ideas. And some of those entrepreneurial Turks were pious Muslims who thought that, well, Prophet Muhammad was a businessman, so we can revive that aspect of our religion. Uh, and now Turkey has a booming uh, middle class, entrepreneurial middle class, a, a, a homegrown capitalism, selling products all over the to to countries all over the Middle East and Africa, uh, the most productive country industrial wise between Germany and China, as one commentator put it. Uh, and this is happening with a with a mix of Muslim religiosity. And a German think tank recently observed these pious entrepreneurs in Turkey, and they called them Islamic Calvinists, referring to Max Weber's famous theory on the origin of capitalism in Europe. So in that sense, I think Turkey is uh, creating an example of how democracy, uh, free markets, and a 
pious Islamic understanding, but a tolerant one, but a, a peaceful one, can coexist. How do you react to having at least one presidential candidate here in the United States saying that he simply would not have a Muslim in his cabinet? Um, I'm surprised to hear that uh, because I think, uh, I mean, I admire the United States as a Turk. I'm not American. Uh, one reason that I admire the United States is that it's actually an open society which welcomes all faiths. And once you're an American, you're an American and your faith and your creed and your race and your uh, your background should not matter. So I'm sad to see that. And I would um, call on that candidate to be probably <laughs> rethink the founding principles of the United States. Uh, that, well, they would know better, but f- from what I know, I think that's not really what the United States story is all about. Mustafa Akyol is author of Islam Without Extremes. We spoke at the Cato Institute last week. You can watch an event for the book at our website, cato.org.